Good morning. My name is Areli, as Rob just said. I'm one of the pastors here. And my family and I just came back from Chicago. We were there last weekend celebrating my husband's birthday. We had a lot of fun. We did a lot of classic Chicago stuff. If you've been there in down, downtown Chicago, we went and ate deep dish Chicago pizza, cheesy and yummy. We went to the Navy Pier, to the Millennium Park. We went to a ball game. Deal, did all this classic Chicago downtown stuff. Uh, our kids live in Minnesota and uh, Oklahoma, and we chose Chicago because they could fly direct, all of us. We rented some hotel rooms, and we have a lot of fun together. Did classic stuff. There are some classic stuff also as we think of the United States. If I said Summer Olympics, we're going to think about probably the gymnastics or the swim team. There are classics, aren't they? If we think about football, especially here in Massachusetts, we're going to think about the Patriots. Yeah. Of course. Is there any other? No. If I said Red Sox, and if I say a classic definition of a Red Sox player, we're going to think of who? Big Papi, David Ortiz. I, you see that picture? Not that I want to brag about it or anything, you know? <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> Sorry. I bragging is a saying I'm guilty. Um, I had the opportunity to cook for him, and I won the competition. I got that jersey, and it's signed by him. Probably it's worth a few bucks by now. But I made a classic Dominican dish because he is from the Dominican. I make beans. Is that a classic or what? Why am I talking about classics? Let's see if together we can come with some classics. I'm going to say a phrase and you're going to finish it. Are you ready? All right. If I said as American as apple pie, of course. If I said, mm, let me think, what else I have in here? American American car, it will be a Chevrolet, of course. My husband will like this one. If Let's talk about books. If I said Charlotte's, you will say Webb, of course. If I said Romeo, Romeo, you will say Juliet. Let's try to sing. Oh, boy. <laughs> if I say we all live in a Of course, we all live in a yellow submarine. Why, why did I choose the yellow submarine? We all know the lyrics, young and old, big or small. We know the lyrics of yellow submarine. And I chose this song because it was released in 1966, a great year to be born. <laughs> yellow submarine and I will turn 50 this year. And let me tell you, we know the lyrics, but do we know the story behind the lyrics? Do we know what Jealous and Marine is all about? Well, no. The song was written by most of it, um, by Paul McCartney, 
he wrote the majority of it, and he said this after the release of the song in 1966. Yellow Submarine is a very simple, but very different song. It is a fun song, a children's song. Originally, we intended to be part of a children's record, he said, but now this song is the idea of a yellow submarine where all the kids went to have fun, just like they're doing right there in a yellow submarine. I was just going to sleep, he said one night, and thinking if we had a children's song, it would be nice to be on a yellow submarine where all your friends are with a band. Okay, great story, huh? But what does yellow submarine American classics have to do with Sunday morning in church? Let me tell you why. When I teach right there next door, the children and kids song, and I tell them that this is God's word and everything in it is true. Of course, we always say that. But I also said that when you open this book in the middle, 90% 90, 90 of chances are that you're going to land where? In the books of Psalms. Of course. Here it is, Psalms 136. Well, the book of Psalms has 150 poems. The word psalm means, means song. The book contains more than 900 years of human history, and Jewish people will sing these songs in weddings, funerals, and feasts. The book of Psalms has it all, history, poetry, prayer, songs, and prophecy. David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms using 22 different styles of Hebrew poetry. So now, let's see, and let's try to recite a classic, a classic psalm that is or should be in our heart. And I'm going to read from the New American Standard just for the sake of age first. And if I said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down. It's by in, the, in your bulletin in the back. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Great job. Well done. You know the psalm, but do you know the story behind Psalm 23? Hmm. Let me tell you, David, David's life was not going well. Actually, he was facing persecution and family problems. His kids were getting in trouble, big trouble, like killing each other trouble. So if you think your kids are going in, getting in trouble, go read David's story, life and see what trouble really means. And guess what? Instead of giving up, 
he gave in. He picked up his guitar. Well, not really, but imagine that he did that. And he started writing a song, a song that is a classic. We all know Psalm 23, and if you don't, you're missing, okay? You're missing. Read it. Put it in your heart. He writes a song in the middle of a crisis. He goes and talks to the Father, and he lays, let the crisis, forget about the crisis, and he starts writing. And today, we're going to explore together what is behind the lyrics of this song. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this day. Father, thank you for your word that is alive and is active. Thank you that we can read it now, thousands of years after King David, King David wrote it. Speak to us today, Lord. In your name, I pray. Amen. Well, I love languages and grammar. I have said it all the time, and maybe you're going to say, well, your grammar is not the greatest, you know. I can do it better in Spanish. I promise you I can do that better. But I'm just going to stay with my point right now. And as I read the scripture and I open my Bible, I love to really see the intention of the writer. I really want to see what, what is he saying. Because every writer wants to transform you in a way. When you read a book and you finish the book, you are not the same person you were before because you know now the story. Correct? Right? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do that, and we are going to say the first verse of uh, Psalm 23, and he said, the Lord. Let's stop right there. The Lord. He's going to spend 120 words after trying to tell you what this noun, this person is the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord of Israel. 120 words just to tell you who he is. And he says, the Lord is. You need to stop right there again. Sorry. The Lord is. Not was, not is going to be. The Lord is right now in the present tense. Right now in this moment, the Lord is. The Lord is my if you are following in the bulletin, those are the answers. They're not right there. The Lord, the Lord is. The Lord is my. The Lord is my. That is a personal pronoun. My shepherd is all mine. It's all mine. God wants to be so personal to you. He wants to be like this. You know, we're watching the Olympics and you go and you go to the freezer and you put ice cream in a bowl and you sit down and you see this bowl and it's all yours. Don't look at Jeff because he's going to What are you eating? It's all yours. The Lord is yours right now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Right now. And he wants to be so personal, not for you to own him, but to have a relationship with him. And this is what David is trying to do right now in the first verse of the psalm. And I hope you have time because, boy, I have been talking for seven minutes and I only am the word number four. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. We are in this life together. You don't own him. 
you are opening the door for him to say, I am yours, you are mine, we are living a life together, and I need you. Got it? Good. He's mine, and we are going to call him. The Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't say a shepherd, someone I know that is somewhere in there. It's mine. English grammar, languages, they all have something to do with the intention of the writer. And I see Amanda, and she has an intention when she writes, and she's trying to transform someone's heart, and is what this verse is about. The Lord is my shepherd right now. A couple of months ago, I had an opportunity to read an article about um, the 100 more influential people in Time Magazine. I don't know if anybody saw it. Well, as I go through the list of people, Guess what? I knew one. Like, I knew one. Like, I have seen this person at the grocery store. Her name is Diana Natalicio. Diana Natalicio is the president of the University of Texas in El, in, in El Paso. A lot of people don't even know what El Paso, Texas, or Juarez, Mexico is, but I do. I am from there. So I have seen this lady, and this lady has spent most of her life educating people. And she made it to the top 100 of Time Magazine. That was pretty cool. The list kept, keeps going. And, you know, I, I, I saw people like Adele is there and uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. I don't know if you know who he is, but he makes films and he make a, a, a picture with a big bear, you know, this time. Uh, and Tom, uh, Tim Cook is there. But get, let me tell you something. None of them, not even one, compares to the almighty God of Israel. I cannot say that Diana Natalicio is my shepherd. I can't. I don't want to. He, she's not going to take me what I need to go. She's not going to show me what I need to do. The Lord is my shepherd. He is mine. And I am his. And in this life together, I'm going to follow the one who knows me well. And these people are great. Great leaders, musicians, athletes. But they are not going to take me where I'm going to be. Verse 2. Making progress here. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. The New American Standard Version says, he makes me lay down in green pastures. What I like about, about, again, is seeing the intention of the writer. The Lord is making me rest, even when I don't want to. He's making me rest. Slow down, Areli. You're going too fast. You're bumping here, there, and everywhere. You're not going anywhere because you are tired. You're hurting yourself. Slow down, rest. Sometimes we are just not listening, and we think we can do it on our own. Sometimes we are our own shepherd, but the Father knows us better. This microphone, it just doesn't like me. What are green pastures and still waters to you? Well, whatever makes you rest. Sometimes it's painting, writing. Sometimes it's cooking. Reading, running, hiking, whatever make you rest. And rest is also sleeping. And sometimes we go and go and go, 
and go and go like an energizer bunny, and we never stop. And the Lord is making you rest. Sometimes we do not even sleep. We are restless because we cannot sleep. I really don't know. Where are you? How much, how much this little pill weighs? I really don't know. Very little. But I know that 70 million Americans take sleeping pill every night because they cannot sleep. 70 million Americans. I have a little, you know, uh, slide there. Or not. There it is. <laughs> 70 million people taking a sleeping pill. People, God doesn't sleep so we can. God doesn't sleep, listen to me, so we can. So before taking the pill, I'm not saying, please don't go and say, oh, the sermon was about not taking the sleeping pills. I didn't say that. You talk to the one that is awake for you, just for you. And talk to him and tell him, I'm anxious about things. I cannot eat. I cannot rest. I cannot sleep. And I need this thing. And if you need it, take it. That is what it's created for. Don't get me wrong. But first things first. And go and talk to the one that knows you and makes you lay down. And then take the pill if it doesn't work. Got it? Good. Do you know why? We were, you know, we were in, in, in Chicago. Do you know why kids sleep well? They sleep well because they live well. They live well. We were in Chicago with our grandkids, and we went to a, a baseball game where the St. Louis, we used to live there once in a while, you know. <laughs> Alan was born there in St. Louis. So we went there, and it was fun. And I have a picture of my grandson. Um, here is Luke with Daddy, John. And in the middle of the game, where thousands of people are screaming and yelling, he is sleeping next to his dad because he lives well. He plays well. This kid never stops. He, if we were in the hotel room, from the bed to the floor, from the floor to the bed, from the couch to the bed, from Jeff's arm twisting and moving, and oh, at the pool and here, and oh, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. <sighs> He's exhausted. He lives well. He plays well. He sleeps well. And the Jesus tells us, let us be like children. Why? Because he knows better than we do. So David comes and keeps talking and says this, he renews my strength, restores my soul. People, we are more than we can see. You, you have a soul. You have spirit. Who knew that, huh? The strength that David is talking about is not about your muscles, even though it's, it's nice to exercise them. It's about your heart. It's about your soul. It's about your spirit, the part that connects with the Father. Sometimes life gets very difficult, and we are, in a deep, we are in a deep sorrow. I was talking to a friend, and this person said, sometimes I am in this station of grief, denial, anger, depression. And we are just pretending to live. I have been there. I don't know about you, but... God knows that. And he wants to renew your strength. Your strength, that is your soul. I got to upgrade today with blue catering. 
He wants to renew your strength. Did you have a chance to watch the Olympics? Yes. Did you watch Michael Phelps? My goodness, isn't he unbelievable? He is unbelievable. His problems were not inside the pool. His problems were outside the pool. He had so many problems with drugs and alcohol and just not doing the right thing. He needed help. And the strength that I'm talking about is when you recognize that you need help. When you recognize that you cannot do it on your own and you cannot be your own shepherd. And he did. And he got a hold of a book, a reward book that saved him. Purpose-driven life. Now he's taking responsibility. He went to a program. He did what he needed to do. And he's taking responsibility for his actions. He said, I need to change my life. This is not taking me anywhere. I'm wasting my life in this stuff. He was, his coach said, boy, you are such a rich person and such a broken in spirit, is what his trainer said to him. And as I was reading about him and I saw what is new about him from four years ago, is that he took responsibility. And he said, I need help. And now he is there taking care of his baby son and not letting alcohol or drugs be near him because he knows that he can go in people that doesn't stop there are the, the layers of the love of god that cover us from all that because the lettuce is there if you you know feel the lettuce it's still the heart there but it's the love of God that covers us for all those things. See, this man, I don't know him. I just read that. And it was interesting to me how he is changing and letting the word of God penetrate his soul. And this is what David is talking about. He will restore my soul. And David continues in verse 4 and said, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I would not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your stuff protect and comfort me. The psalm says that we are going to walk through a darkest valley. And I'm going to call someone today. Where are you? Where are you, Jennifer? Are you here? She's getting Tristan. Did you hear the news this week? Did you know what happened this week? I don't know if we have a picture or not. We don't. I got a text during the week saying that Tristan and Jennifer were in Boston at the Freedom Trail. Anyone have been there? Yeah. Fun, huh? Very fun. And they were there in the crowd of a lot of people. And Tristan was hit by a car. like run over by a car. Here they are. I want them to tell this story. And you have two minutes <laughs> <laughs> to tell this story. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, you protect me, says the verse. I hate speaking on this, so. Yes. <laughs> and we coordinated today. Yes, we did. Um, 
Yeah, this week we've been on vacation. Um, we had a bunch of day trips planned. And Thursday was supposed to be the Freedom Trail and out to lunch with some friends in Boston. And the Freedom Trail was going well. Um, it was around noon. We were just coming down School Street. And we were cr waiting for the light. Um, and we got the cross ready to go. And my son was out just a little ahead of me. And I looked back towards my friend. And I went to step out. And a car ran over my <laughs> foot, <laughs> knocked my knee, and then it alerted me to people screaming and yelling us, the, the woman to stop. My, I looked just in time to see my son, his friend, and another woman being struck by the car. Um, his friend rolled away unharmed. Um, Tristan got knocked to the ground and was being pushed across the street. Um, she didn't stop. She then was still trying to drive on and so she tur was turning left um, and the wheel ran over him. Um, <sighs> it was the most sick, horrifying experience to visualize so I can't even imagine what he's feeling. Um, but what I'm here to say is so much thanks to God because his hand was all over this. Um, we There were people on the scene right away that stopped her from going any further. About 200 people in just surrounding the area stopped her from going any further. Um, our tour guide actually jumped into action as she was trying to flee the car. He was diving in to put the car in park. Um, then while I'm keeping him calm on the ground because he's still underneath the car, about I didn't even see it happen. I just heard afterwards. Um, all these people just lifted the car up from both the victims pinned and carried it three feet away from where he was. And um, the emergency service was there immediately. And we were, we were probably struck about 12. And we were at the hospital by 1220. And we had amazing doctors and nurses. Um, but mostly that um, God was there because even in this woman's failure and her, her urge to keep driving, if she did not turn that car to keep driving, he would have been struck in a more dangerous zone. He would have been struck here or here. And because she turned, she struck him through here. Um, so we are just so blessed. <laughs> Um, that we walked away with what we did. He was home the next day, um, smiling. Here you are what? Now. And here you are now. Yeah, and here we are now. Do you have anything to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just thanks to God? <laughs> he usually won't be quiet at home. I know. That's okay. Give them a clap. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. The other lady um, is not doing well. It's a broken back and broken hips. We need to pray for her. We need to pray for the driver. 
who was driving without a license in a car that it was not hers either. And in this time, as I was talking to Jennifer and visit with her, she said, it, I'm praying for her. I'm praying for my heart to be changed. And as she recovers, because we don't know what's happening after, you know, she's trying to have mercy and grace to the one that did something to her. We need to follow that example as well. Your rod and your staff protect me and confirm this. The psalm says that we are going to walk through the darkest valley. And as we saw, we are not going to die there. We're going to walk through this horrible scene. You're not dying there. And you, if you die, you're going to go see him. That's even better. I don't want to die. I didn't say that today either, okay? Okay? The funny thing is that I was going to talk about this darkest valley with something that I put here on my sermon and it just didn't click. It just like it wasn't fluent. And I was trying to prepare and it just the story just like didn't huh? didn't like I didn't like it. And here comes Jennifer. Not that I wanted that to you, but it's just perfect to see how the protection of the Lord is with us. What is with I mean that we all could have just gone through here. And the different story we'll be talking about right now. So praise the Lord. And he says in the next verse, David says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. Or you prepare a table. As I was researching for this sermon, I read a lot about the shepherd and the sheep. And the shepherd comes to the fields. And he cleans the fields before bringing the, field, uh, the sheep. He wants the sheep to be rested, to have a lot to eat and water to drink. So he comes and prepares before bringing them. Jesus did that. He prepared a meal for his disciples before he went to the cross. And then he prepares a meal for Peter as he calls him on the beach. Now that I'm talking about food, but it is the food that comforts you. It is the scripture. It is the psalms, the songs that come and nurture your soul and your spirit. And he prepares that for you. And he says that. And he also, we can picture also that one day we are going to sit at the table with him. One day he's going to clean our wounds. Because the next verse says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. The pastor will anoint the sheep with oil. And this will do a couple of things. It's protecting the sheep from the enemies. They have a lot of enemies. Fleas and ticks. Some of them they can see and some of them they can't. The biggest and most dangerous of all the sheep enemies that they cannot see is the snake. They cannot see it. The, the shepherd comes to the field and he pour pours oil where the nest, he can find the nest of the snakes, the, the holes, and pours the oil, and the snakes, brrr, it's, a, it's light. They go down. They cannot come out. And if they come out and they go and get the sheep, they slide down. And if for some reason they bite them, this oil becomes like medicine, like ointment immediately. And that's what the Lord does to us. He protects us. He uh, is protecting us from the enemy. 
So one day we are going to sit at the table with the Lord and he will heal us from all of our wounds. And as we sit at the table and we'll just look at him. What do I do in the meantime? Well, I stay in contact with him. David continues to say, my cup overflows with blessings. You know why I love Jesus? Because he's ready to welcome you home, no matter what happened before in the past. Luke 15 talks about the story of the prodigal son. And in the story of the prodigal son, you see that the father is looking for the son. And when he sees him coming back home, he rejoices. How does he know he's coming? He's looking always for him. From far away, you cannot look and find someone if you're not looking. You cannot find someone if you're not looking for that person. So the story tells us that he is looking for him every day. He will come and get his coffee. And he will maybe today is going to be the day that my son, come, my son comes back home. And when he comes, he rejoices. He goes and kills the biggest, you know, sheep he had and makes a feast and invites a friends and hugs him and said, I do not care what you did before. I love you because I am your father and I welcome you. And when David says that his cup is overflowing with blessings, he is saying, I don't care. We need to do that, people. We need to follow the example. I don't care what you did. It's in the past. It is the future. Let me anoint you with oil. So next time, the snake just goes away. Watch this. It doesn't bite you. He's there for you. He doesn't care. Why do we care? Let's just welcome people back home. He prepares a feast. I hope you're getting a good enchilada right now. He welcomes him home. What are, he says, you know, my cup is overflowed with blessings. And what are those blessings? Well, the peace. The scripture talks about peace that we do not understand. A joy that is not explainable. David, I want you to, to picture David as a kid. David, the kid, that one day told Saul that he will come after Goliath because he knew that the same God that rescued him from the lions and the bears will rescue him again from the giant. He went and told Goliath, I am coming in the name of the God of the heaven's armies. And he not, not only defeated Goliath, he killed him and cut his head off. No kids here? Okay. Verse 6. We're making progress. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Again, I'm looking at the writer, and he said, surely, with no hesitation, with no, oh, well, maybe, if the Lord wants, maybe, let me knock on good wood, you know. No, he says, surely, with no hesitations, the Lord is going to be with me, and his unfailing love will be with me, not some days. Not the days I feel like a good Christian and I go do some outreach. All the days of my life, the Lord is with you whether you like it or not. If he is your Lord and Savior, he is 
with you. You are the one that is letting go. But he is with you, just like a little toddler looking for mommy, you know, or daddy. Let me just say that. You know, you can just hold the hand of the Lord again. And then everything is okay. I promise you. I promise you that is what he's saying. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Talk to the Father. The end of the verse says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And I'm going to finish with this. What does forever mean? What a strange concept to talk about. The dictionary, I know my dictionary things in language and grammar, says all future things, all future times. Do we have a definition of forever? Yeah. I was stuck in traffic forever. I was at the grocery store line forever. And if you're having fun, time flies. But if you're stuck here listening to me, boy, time goes really, really, really slow, huh? Time is something that we don't have a concept because we never had enough time. But he says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I really want you to imagine forever time, forever time with Jesus. I will meet him one day. I will take him. Gets me really emotional just to imagine I'm going to see him one day, like him and I, forever. Just Just the two of us. The time doesn't matter. I will see him. I will spend eternity. And I'm going to say, say to him, thank you for saving me. Because you would rather die for me than live without me. He would rather die for you than live without you. What do you do in the meantime? Because believe me, I don't want to go right now. <laughs> and maybe you neither. I will pick a classic. The most well-known book in history, a classic, and I will open it. No Snapchat or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, your life, your storyline, yeah, is the time you spend here reading to the one who is and is to come. I'm going to invite the worship team. I'm going to ask that you will take a time to really let the word of the Lord penetrate your soul deeply.